Welcome to ADHD Love Parent Talk, episode 39. Kids with ADHD and executive dysfunction tend to create incredibly small and narrow comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and it tends to be screens. It tends to be their phone. It tends to be video games. It tends to be TV. Mm-hmm. They find what they're good at and they stick with it. And everything else is new. Everything else is scary. Everything else is hard. They're black and white thinkers. They say, I'm good at this. I'm bad at this. I'm smart at this. I'm dumb at this. And we have got to break that thinking. There has to be mental flexibility. Mental flexibility is an executive function skill. So we need them to recognize this task. Like say we want them to start playing soccer. I've never played soccer before. I'm not good at it yet. These ADHD kids hate being bad at something when they first try. They hate the learning curve. It's so, so important that especially at a young age, parents of kids with ADHD push them into varied experiences. Hello, and welcome to the ADHD Love Parent Talk podcast. If you felt like you have been walking your path alone as an adult with ADHD, or as a parent with children with ADHD, you are finally home. I interview parents and professionals, including doctors, coaches, educators, and so much more so you can not only learn more information about ADHD, I also want you to have tools that you can put in your toolbox as you're going through your journey. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another ADHD Love Parent Talk, where we talk about all things ADHD. Today, I have my guest, Mike, and we are going to be talking about Grow Now Therapy, which I thought was a really interesting way of helping those who have executive functioning issues. So very excited to have him here. So Mike, welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's a privilege to be here. Uh, my name is Michael McLeod. I'm the owner of Grow Now Therapy Services in Philadelphia. I am a speech language pathologist, a licensed speech and language pathologist okay. and executive function specialist. So I specialize in ADHD and executive functioning. Perfect. And we're going to dig into all of that. But the first thing I want to start off with, so how do you know so much about ADHD from your perspective? That is an excellent question. So of course, I am a licensed and certified speech and language pathologist. I had to go through some rigorous schooling to get my master's degree right over there uh, in, uh, in, in speech and language therapy. But uh, in terms of becoming an ADHD specialist, there's really no credentialing agency mm-hmm. to become a ADHD specialist. Okay. So there's no there's no organization like for speech and language therapists. There's ASHA, which okay. is the American Speech and Hearing Association. And you have to pay your dues every year. And they're your credentialing agency. And they check in with you to make sure you do all your observational hours and your clinical hours. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. can be a fully licensed speech and language pathologist. To be an ADHD specialist, it's really based on your own work. So I've done countless hours of self-study, reading, these sorts of things. I developed my own unique treatment model for executive functioning and resiliency. And I did a year-long research study at a private school here in the Philadelphia area. So I've done research on ADHD and executive functioning. I've done international presentations on my executive functioning language model. I do a lot of work with CHAD, the the local CHAD groups, the children and adults with ADD and ADHD. I'm just very, very involved in the community and I work with all the schools in the area. Uh, So it's really just uh, based on my my own unique set of experiences. Very nice. So let's talk about the speech language pathologist. So tell us a little bit about what is that? 
Absolutely. So this is something I always talk about in the very beginning of my presentations. So when you first mention a speech therapist, okay. so people tend to hear speech therapist instead of speech language pathologist. Okay. So people hear speech therapist and they think, oh, that's someone who works on articulation, who works on the R sound, who works on stuttering, those okay. sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But really what it is, is speech and language pathologist. Mm. So speech is all about your overall intelligibility. That is, so speech is articulation, stuttering, fluency, voice. It's all about how easily your speech is understood to listeners. You know, okay. rate of speech, prosody, intonation, you know, all of those things that make your like if your speech is, you could have like a, like a stroke and it could affect the way you mm. speak, those sorts okay. of things, that, that's speech. But then there's language. So it's speech and language pathologists. And people always forget the language aspect language is absolutely massive. So there's so many different areas of language. There's expressive language, which is how you express yourself, which can be uh, how many words per sentence you use, your vocabulary, your varied vocabulary, your sentence structure, your morphological endings. There's so many areas of expressive language. There's receptive language, which is how you receive language, how you comprehend language. So basically how you take in language, organize it and formulate a response. So there's mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. like receptive language is your ability to ask, to, to answer WH questions, mm -hmm. like receptive language is big with little kids and in early intervention, gotcha. like answering who, what, when, where, why questions. So there's receptive language. There's social pragmatic language, mm -hmm. which is sort of like the unwritten rules of social communication in terms of initiation of a topic, topic maintenance how many circles of communication, body language, facial expressions, eye contact. There's written language, which is the ability to have a story here and transfer it to paper, which is highly connected to executive functioning, of course. There's reading language, reading comprehension. And then the model that I've sort of created within my practice and what I'm doing is something called internal language, which is the language we have inside of ourselves, the privatized language which is the combination of the nonverbal and verbal working memory, which is the foundation of executive functioning. Very nice. It's really interesting to hear about all those different levels of language because we don't think about that. So to mm -hmm. your point, when you talk about speech language therapy or speech therapy, yes, we're thinking about the, how do you make sure you pronounce things correctly? But with language also, <laughs> the first thing when I think about language is I think about you know, more of the written. So in other words, how we learn in school, the literacy part of it. I didn't really think about all the aspects that go into that. So when people come to you, you talked about all these different areas. So who would come to you when they are struggling with this particular area? So you mentioned somebody with a stroke, but who else would come to you for these services? Sure. So, uh, so SLPs are uh, highly involved in, in all areas of life. So, there, so SLPs tend to have one specific area of certification okay. or one special area of uh, not certification, but specialty. So SLPs are highly involved in early intervention, which is basically zero to three and also three to five years of age, okay. because those are cr crucial periods of language acquisition. And that's really when the brain is growing and going through myelination for future language use. And that's really the foundation of play and learning how to play with peers mm -hmm. and learning how to use language in social contexts. So speech pathologists are highly involved in that. 
And of course, there's, you know, at every public school, there's speech and language pathologists mm. to work with kids based on their IEPs, uh, whether it's a speech issue, language issue, social issue, whatever it may be. But IEPs are based on their ability to access the curriculum. Okay. So working, working on those sorts of things. Uh, within me and my practice, we do still continue to see uh, kids that are in your typical speech and language pathology. Mm -hmm. So we do do some fluency, some stuttering, some articulation, some social, those sorts of things. But the vast majority of my practice now, probably about between 95 and 99% of it is students with ADHD and executive functioning. Okay. So the vast majority of, of the kids that come to my clinic and I work with virtually and in the clinic are middle school, high school, and college age students. So for those who really don't understand why ADHD is so high for your particular audience, I mean, how is it connected to the fact that they need help with their speech and language um, situation? Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, just as I was explaining before, um, I take a language approach towards executive functioning. Mm -hmm. So the ADHD language connection is, is really my, my number one area that I, that I okay. present on and specialize on. So there's so many connections to kids with ADHD in terms of speech and language. First of all, the research by Dr. Russell Barkley, who's the worldwide leader on ADHD, mm -hmm. he's found that 90% or more of students with ADHD also need speech and language therapy. Okay. And a lot of them have dyslexia. A lot of them have, you know, lang other language, other speech issues. So there's tons of connections there. The vast majority of them have issues with writing and reading. Mm -hmm. So written expression and reading comprehension tends to be one of the external symptoms of ADHD. So what's happening with ADHD now is a lot of the old research and a lot of the old viewpoints on ADHD tended to look at some of the externals and what we were able to see with our eyes. So we saw kids that were inattentive and hyperactive, mm -hmm. and that's sort of where that came from, the ADD inattentive and the ADHD hyperactive. Mm -hmm. Now that we know that the foundation of ADHD is the prefrontal cortex, the frontal lobe of the brain, and we know that ADHD is founded in executive functioning, we really, at least in the research I'm, I follow and the treatment that I follow, I don't focus on the external. I don't focus on hyperactivity and inattentiveness and inability to focus. I focus on the ability to self-regulate in various environments, the ability to self-motivate towards non-preferred tasks. I look at the ability to self-evaluate the metacognitive skills, the ability to learn from the past and apply it to the present. And it's all based in self-talk and internal language. So the foundation of executive functioning is two separate things. And this is what I comprise as what I call internal language. And Dr. Russell Barkley refers to it as private language because it's inside. So it's nonverbal working memory, which is the visual imagery system of the brain. So it's really the ability to hold an image in mind, manipulate, plan, prioritize, problem solve, re-image the relevant past, forecast the future and see yourself in the future. It's really the ability to have the, to create these mental movies and really have that movie theater inside of the brain. Okay. That's the foundation of all executive functioning. And then there's verbal working memory, which is the self-talk system, which is the ability to have conversations with your brain coach and have and be able to talk to yourselves throughout the day and have internal dialogue, internal system of checks and balances. 
So ADHD really splits those two skills apart, the nonverbal and verbal working memory. And that makes it so hard for these kids to regulate, motivate, and evaluate because these two skills need to work together in harmony. The visuals and the speech and the language need to be together. So that is the internal language aspect I, I approach to ADHD. So it's so in, in, in my particular opinion, SLPs are crucial. And of course, I'm biased because I am a speech pathologist. But it, I believe that speech and language pathologists and the more research that comes out, I think they're really going to become a leader on the treatment team for ADHD because the, the connection to language is just endless. I really connect to this because my son really had difficulty in terms of reading fluidly and being able to write. Um, sometimes part of it was boredom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course. Part of it was of boredom, but part of it yeah. was is that he just could not write really good detailed sentences. So he couldn't express what was going on in the book either. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. really trying to put that two together was real. it was difficult for him. So what I did is I try to find a tutor that specialized in kids with ADHD so she could help him, you know, really guide him through the difficulties that he was having. So having said that, when people are looking for support for speech and language, what should they look for or how should they find support? I mean, you, you have a service like what you have, but if mm-hmm. they don't, if they need something that's local or um, how, how do they go about finding support, the right support for their child? So the number one step would be to get a very thorough and very extensive speech and language evaluation. Okay. And the number one thing to remember with executive functioning is, you know, parents have, uh, and, and it's, it's sort of, you know, the structure's fault and the system that we put in place is parents have gotten very focused on standardized test scores and testing with like a, having a specific number that gives an age equivalent or a standard deviation and those sorts of things. But when it comes to executive functioning, there's never, ever, ever going to be a test that really uh, explains executive functioning and really is able to diagnose executive functioning. It's always going to be observational checklists. So there's the brief, which is the behavior rating inventory of executive functioning. It's literally a checklist that the student themselves the teacher or a parent can fill out and that can help them diagnose executive function difficulties or ADHD. There's other observational rating tools. There's the McCloskey scales. There's so many different checklists that a parent can fill out to get that executive functioning or ADHD diagnosis. Uh, But there's never going to be a test that a student can take to help them get that sort of score. But in terms of uh, executive, in terms of speech and language, They really have to get an extensive, extensive test that looks at all areas of language, like I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. expressive, receptive, social, Mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. So it's so important that you get an extensive evaluation uh, that looks at all areas of speech and language, that observes the kids in the natural setting, that gets the feedback from the various teachers, Mm -hmm. because kids do have preferred classes. Like a lot of kids tend to be like history kids because they memorize facts but not be math kids and English kids because they don't have that, that, you know, that the ability to organize language internally. So you really need to have a full pronged approach to see where the breakdown is, where they're falling apart in what environment, in what class, what area of language, what area of speech, what area of social. And once we have that, we can find the right professional and the right therapist to help the child. I love that. So let's dig into 
you said that you're also an ADHD and executive function specialist. So how is that different from the speech and language pathologist, or is that really coupled all together? It's basically two very different things. Uh, so, so being a speech and language therapist, I have specific training in all areas of speech and language. Okay. Uh, like I said before, in terms of my training in ADHD, a lot of it was the research, the, you know, the, the, the treatment model I created, the research I did, the people that I've worked with, you know, all over. So there's definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, it was a lot of self work. Okay. So the vast majority of speech and language pathologists are not people working with executive functioning ADHD. It's still very new, but in the future, I do believe that is going to change as more research comes out. So I am a licensed speech and language pathologist, Mm -hmm. but because of my own experiences in the field and a lot of the things that I've kind of done and taken the initiative to do, I've sort of been able to become an ADHD executive function specialist. So it's either either I'm a specialist Mm -hmm. or I'm a speech and language pathologist specializing in ADHD and executive functioning. You know, it's all, it's really all semantics and it's just kind of phrasing, uh, but I'm, I'm fine with either one. I'm, I, I don't necessarily need, I don't need to be called a specialist, uh, but whatever, however, however it works and is, yeah. and helps it to be understood by, by families. Well, I mean, I think that's important for them to understand because, you know, talking with many people, not everybody who has a particular specialty also works with those who have ADHD. and so. For them, it's important for them to be able to communicate and be able to understand their child so they can support and help their child grow. So Mm -hmm. understanding who you are and do you deal with children, adults with ADHD is important to families, right? So so that's kind of the perspective that I've been receiving over time. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and now, you know, with, with my my website, I have, I have a, a lot of details on my approach on my website. I have research I've done and of course, you know, social media, which I'm not, not the biggest fan of, but it's so important these days with families. So like my Instagram page, my YouTube page, my, my Facebook page, I'm always post posting research. I'm posting information about what I'm doing in my sessions. And, uh, I, I'm constantly doing webinars, constantly doing trainings. I've trained school staff and families. So, you know, it's clear that, you know, I, I do have an approach and I always post parent testimonials and those sorts of things. Uh, so of course, you know, productivity of the sessions and seeing actual lifelong progress is crucial, but yeah, uh, I'm sure eventually there will be a group that credentials people as executive function specialists. Uh, but right now it's sort of, you know, self-study and, and how you approach it in your life. But, you know, overall this, this whole approach in terms of speech and language into executive functioning in ADHD is still very new, mm-hmm. but I expect it to continue to grow. Very nice. So let's dig more into grow now therapy. So tell us, just take a step back. Tell us, you know, why did you decide to create this? So you gave us teasers throughout the, uh, throughout the episode, but the full picture, why did you decide to go this direction? Uh, what was that tipping point? And you talked about the direction that you're going with grow now therapy, some mm-hmm. of the things that you offer, can you get more specific and just give us the full picture? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so, so I graduated in 2015 with my master's in speech and language pathology. Mm-hmm. I moved to Philadelphia right after that to complete what is called a clinical fellowship year. So, I have to be I have to be certified by a licensed licensed speech and language pathologist for nine months or ho- however long it is for basically a year. Uh, you have to be supervised. So, 
I myself could become a fully licensed uh, speech and language pathologist. So I did that in Philadelphia. And, you know, once I became certified, it really kind of happened naturally. Uh, so, so during my clinical fellowship year, I, I had so much varied experience. And that's part of why I chose the, the fellowship in Philadelphia. I was doing early intervention. I was doing private practice. I was doing, you know, online cyber schools. I was working at a charter school in Philadelphia. I was all over the place. So I had, I had experience with kids, older kids and all various aspects. So it was a really, really good experience. Mm. And sort of once I became credentialed and I was able to sort of go out on my own and kind of become a contractor and sort of, you know, uh, choose and pick and choose my schedule and have free time for self-learning and free time to approach this myself. Um, that's sort of, it sort of just happened naturally in terms of, uh, families reaching out to me and I had my website and I was doing my research on ADHD on the grow now model for executive functioning. And right now we have our private practice, which is myself and a few other speech and language pathologists that do a little bit of work with us in terms of treating these, these students using the grow now model for executive functioning and resiliency. And we really take this very specific speech and language approach, like I've been discussing, where we're really looking to build the skills of internal language. Because to me, all executive function goals and all ADHD goals are not about putting like that little temporary bandaid over it to push the kid through that grade or push the kid through that assignment. Like, like a lot of, uh, I've spoken to so many parents where executive function coaches, they call them, executive function coaches just sort of sit with the kid to make sure they're not going on YouTube or not playing games on the computer and they're finishing their assignments. Yeah. And that's sort of just being a chaperone. And that chaperone can't be there 24-7. Right. And that chaperone's not going to be there with them in college and their career. So when we focus on the internal instead of the external, we're focused on building lifelong skills. So all of the goals that I write for my students at Grown Out Therapy are, I write my goals very specific. I write them fading prompts towards independence. Hmm. So the kid achieves the goal once they are able to do these things without me. So the goal of all executive function therapy is to no longer need executive function therapy. Hmm. I want every single one of my students to graduate high school, go to college, be successful in college, and have a career because the way IEPs are set up, the way accommodations are set up nowadays, it's really just putting that temporary bandaid over it and it's not skill teaching. So when, when I uh, work with my students and I teach them and I help them strengthen their nonverbal working memory, that the mental movies of the brain, the verbal working memory, the self-talk system, you, you help with social executive function goals, organizational, academic, home goals, you know, self-regulation, motivation, evaluation, all of these skills that they're able to use lifelong that are the main internal symptoms of ADHD, mm -hmm. that's what allows them to be successful and independent. So, you know, yes, it's executive function therapy. Yes, it's ADHD therapy, but it's really independence therapy. I'm working with these kids to help them to be independent because what you tend to see is parents who are basically acting as their child's frontal lobe. And they are constantly exhausting themselves right. by making sure they're doing their work, checking in with them, giving them a thousand prompts, getting them out the door in the morning, telling them to clean their room a thousand times, telling them to do their homework a thousand times, working overtime, having structure in the home with screen time and games. Uh, and it's too much. And parents can't keep doing these things. These kids need to be able to regulate and motivate and evaluate internally.
So I coach the parents. I work with the students. I work with the schools. We do a lot of training in the Grow Now model. I've trained so many different schools now on the Grow Now model and how to implement it in the classroom and how to use it with their families. So I do one-on-one therapy. I do social skills groups. I train other speech and language therapists. I train families. I train schools. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm continuing to you know publish this, this this research and publish our information on exactly what is the ADHD language connection because so much of ADHD executive function therapy is that temporary band-aid, but we have to focus on long-term independent skill building. I love that. And I so agree with that. And I was very blessed to have parents. Well, actually my mom, my dad actually laughs at my mom because she's, he says, you know what? You made her independent so long. I felt, I mean, so early in age that he felt so bad for me, but it really helped me be who I am today. Right. And I did not, when I walked out of that house, even if I didn't know how to do something, I knew how to figure it out. And that was Mm. so key. And Mm -hmm. so I put that same practice with my children today and we talk about it all the time. I said, I am preparing you to not be with me one day because you won't be with me one day. (laughs) There you go. You're going to go go off and go to college or own your own business, but you're going to be independent for a period of time. And that's where I start preparing them. I started, I mean, you know, it was really interesting because the Montessori school that they started at um, did this too, but I started when they were like 18 months being able to flip, you know, lay the coat on the floor and be able to flip it on and learning how to zip. I mean, I started them early because I think it's so important, right? That's the way, that's the way to do it. And that's the number one thing, you know, that's, that's deep down. That's every parent's goal is for their kids to have a higher quality of life than they did. And for them to be successful when the parents are no longer around, of course. So that that's the most important thing. So ADHD is, you know, you see so much on, especially, you know, Dr. Russell Barkley talks about this is America has a very interesting way of turning things into like a strength. So you see a lot of things on the internet about, hey, ADHD is a strength, it's a strength. And it, and it, it is, you know, a, a lot of these kids that I work with are incredible. And I love the work I do. These kids are creative geniuses. They all have incredible IQ. You know, ADHD is not a disorder of an IQ. It's a disorder of performance. It's a disorder of using what you know. These kids are absolute geniuses. They're creative, they're amazing. But ADHD is a legitimate brain difference. Frontal lobe of the brain is not developing as fast as it should. The brain grows from back to front. And the front of the brain is not fully developed until around 24, 25 years old. And if you have ADHD, you have a three to four to five year lag. So yes, there's great medications out there that are very effective, but you really need the therapy. And if, and the therapy has got to be focused on long-term skill building. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Just remind me. So you had talked about a little bit earlier that it's really good to try to start teaching them as early as possible, especially with speech and language um, therapy, but what ages do you work with? Do you work with all ages? Yes. Uh, So, well, I get a lot of calls about elementary age parents and students uh, if it's if it's elementary, first through fourth grade, or maybe even fifth grade, I'll tend to kind of stick towards more of the parent coaching okay. and help them to sort of you know uh, create structure in the home and send send them some materials and send them research. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I don't really know so much about the efficacy of one on one treatment for kids that young, uh, and you know maybe at that age focus on your very basic speech and language therapy or OT PT whatever it may be or whatever. 
Um, also DIR floor time I'm very big on, uh, but middle school, high school, and college would be the vast majority of the kids I see okay. mostly high school and college age. So those are the ages where you start to see the huge missing assignment list, the huge late, the huge late assignment list. You start to see the kids trying to push for their independence and start having dysregulation in the home, uh, stop focusing. This is when you start to see the screen addictions and the video game addictions and those sorts of things. Uh, so it's really important to step in during those ages uh, before it snowballs into a bigger problem. I see. Okay, that makes sense. So is there anything that we did not cover any last minute tips or any last minute uh, thoughts that you have for the parents? Uh, yeah. So, so uh, the biggest thing that you want to start, you know, there, I've seen a lot of things online where uh, like really catchy things that people share and like mm -hmm. is people talking about like, Oh, the voice inside your head, do you talk to yourself? Uh, and yes, it's like one of those common things like the Yanni Laurel and is the dress blue and black or whatever thing, you know, like it's one of those things that catches on. But that's a legitimate thing. And that is executive functioning and ADHD. Executive functioning and ADHD is that voice inside your head. Are you having communications with your brain? Is there inner dialogue? Or are you just impulsive and doing things without talking to your brain first? So like I said before, in the past, we looked at ADHD as impulsiveness and those sorts of things. But now we know they're impulsive because they don't talk to themselves first. There's no inner dialogue. They're not making mental movies. They're not talking to their brain. They're not reading the, reading the field and reading the room and using their situational awareness first. This is why you see the ADHD kid walk into the library, starting to scream and being hyperactive because they're not recognizing where they are and looking around the environment, taking the time to process the information and really listening to people when they're speaking, those sorts of things. So if you're a parent or, or a teacher of students or, or kids with ADHD, start to think about, is this child creating mental movies? Is this kid visualizing to themselves? Is this kid talking to themselves? If not, if you don't think so, start to ask reflexive questioning. Start to ask open-ended questions to see what's happening. You know, ask them to take two minutes to sit back, close their eyes, and picture the rest of their day. And is their description two seconds like that done? Oh, I go home and I sit down. I go home and I play games. I go home and I watch TV. Or do they talk about, I go in the car, I talk to my mom, I do this. Is it like, like is the mental movie uh, like blurry or is it high definition? Is there lots of details or is it very vague? You really need to start to see. And is there an internal dialogue? And what parents can do is they can start to model their speech. So if their kid's next to them and they're in the room, Instead of talking to themselves privately and internally, make your self-talk external. Model it to your student, model it to your child and say, hmm, I really need to go to the store tomorrow and I need to go pick up milk. If I go to the store, if I leave the house at five, I might get in a little bit of traffic. So maybe I can stop here. Maybe I can stop and grab something to eat before I go to the grocery store. Like everything that's going on here, make it external. And your kid may ask, hey, who are you talking to? What are you doing? What's happening here? And you say, hey, I'm just talking to myself. I'm planning. I'm future planning. I'm talking to my brain coach. So these are the important things that you need to start to recognize in, in individuals with ADHD is, are they making mental movies? Are there images in their head? Is there a working memory with visuals and movies? And are they talking to their brain? It's all based in language, the visuals and the, and the speech. It needs to be internalized so that they can be less, impuls less impulsive, 
more organized, more regulated, more motivated towards non-preferred tasks. And that's another really important thing that I always want to teach parents is kids with ADHD and executive dysfunction tend to create incredibly small and narrow comfort zones. Like, uh, and it tends to be screens. It tends to be their phone. It tends to be video games. It tends to be TV. They find what they're good at and they stick with it. And everything else is new. Everything else is scary. Everything else is hard. They're black and white thinkers. They say, I'm good at this. I'm bad at this. I'm smart at this. I'm dumb at this. And we have got to break that thinking. There has to be mental flexibility. Mental flexibility is an executive function skill. So we need them to recognize this task, like say we want them to start playing soccer. I've never played soccer before. I'm not good at it yet. These ADHD kids hate being bad at something when they first try. They hate the learning curve. It's so, so important that especially at a young age, parents of kids with ADHD push them into varied experiences. That is what's going to set them up for lifelong success. And they're going to recognize that they're really good at a lot of things. And unless we push them into those things and get past those first two weeks of fighting and dysregulation saying, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, they're going to recognize they are really athletic. They do like going outside. They are really creative. They, they can do these things. They can make friends in various environments. So varied experiences and multiple interpersonal relationships where they're meeting new people, trying new things, gaining new perspectives, and constantly being pushed outside of their comfort zone. That's really what builds the frontal lobe. Love it. Love it. And so are there any resources that you can share? You had mentioned a couple, um, but are there Mm -hmm. any resources that you can share, be it books, YouTube channels, or podcasts that the parents could, that you could give the parents um, just some guidance in terms of what to go out there and search for? Absolutely. So the number one thing that every parent should do is find their local chat group. That's the number one thing. The local chat groups are absolutely amazing. I definitely want to give a big shout out to the mainline chat group over here in Philadelphia. Just some of the hardest working ladies that I've ever worked with. They are absolutely incredible. They such an amazing service uh, for all the families that they provide out here in Philadelphia. So it's C-H-A-D-D. Find your local chat group. It's an amazing support system and they'll help connect you with professionals in the area. Definitely check out my information. You can go to grownowtherapy.com, grownowtherapy on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I'm always posting research and information uh, on the ADHD language connection. I have a really great Facebook group called ADHD for Speech and Language Pathologists, which discusses the, the ADHD language connection, which is great. Definitely check out the research of uh, Dr. Russell Barkley. Uh, George McCloskey is amazing. Peg Dawson is amazing. So there's really, really great books out there. Just try to read as much as you can. Dr. Russell Barkley, a lot of his, uh, a lot of his lectures are on YouTube. You can just type in right into YouTube and watch his lectures. They're incredible. He likes to highlight the language connection as well. Sarah Ward is amazing. She's a fellow speech and language pathologist who specializes in EF. Uh, you can find her at efpractice.com. She's incredible. Uh, a great friend of mine, Ryan Wexelblatt, the ADHD dude. He's really good. His videos are incredible. He makes videos that are specifically for kids with ADHD, and I always play them for them in my sessions. Uh, so check him out at ADHD Dude. And yeah, that's that's probably it. Sarah Ward, Ryan, Dr. Barkley, Dr. McCloskey. There's 
lot of great resources out there. So definitely try to see ADHD is very outdated. We need to start looking at the internal instead of the external. Very good. Okay. So my last question. So you said they can get a hold of you pretty much grown now therapy across the board. If they have any more questions, your website, Instagram, Facebook, and that was absolutely. Okay. Yep. So uh, my website is grownowtherapy.com mm-hmm. and my email is mike at grownowtherapy.com. Okay. So anyone can shoot me an email. I love, I love having conversations with parents and professionals, and you can also shoot me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. Perfect. Well, Mike, thank you. That was wonderful. It was really, really good information. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I, I was so excited. I, I love the, the work that you put out. Your Instagram is amazing. The service that you're providing for families and professionals is absolutely incredible. So I, I, I'm assuming all the listeners already follow you on Instagram, <laughs> but, if they, but, but if they don't, they have to immediately. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> all right, everyone. So that concludes another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. Bye, everybody. Bye, Mike. Bye. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us on another episode of ADHD Love Parent Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not forget to leave a review and join me as I talk with another exciting guest next week. Have a wonderful day.